When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I hope you are thirsty for some pro wrestling punditry. It is me, your managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, back in the saddle for another episode of The Winkly. And I am joined here, as I am just about every Thursday, by my good friend Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to The Winkly. Good to be back, Nicholas. Man, I got some pep in my step. That was the first time I've been able to do that Good Morning Vietnam-styled intro without feeling pain in my throat. I think it's behind me, finally. Took 12 days or something like that, but it's back. The golden throat of Nick Hausman. The golden throat, huh? Is that a, I that sounded wrong, but I'm but I also kinda like it. I don't know if I like it enough for a t shirt, but maybe. I don't know. Hmm. All right. Yeah, the golden the golden throat of Nick Hausman definitely sounds like the title of a feature that should be in the back section of a certain store sure sure that's why i questioned it too but i was like you know but that's good it's, it's gonna get buzz it's buzzy uh well we got a buzzy show here for you today we're gonna talk all the news of the day here just a little bit uh but we got even more audio i think this is gonna be the last of our three bits of uh interviews and uh, media scrums here uh for a little bit we'll go back to one to two interviews per episode next week but man loaded here for thursday right after the news you're gonna hear my interview with none other than paul Lazenby, uh, the director of the new show that he's a part of called Paper Champions. Brady Roberts sits in on this as well. Uh, Paper Champions is this comedy. Uh, it's like a sitcom comedy. It's available now on Amazon Prime. And uh, it's about this girl who inherits a pro wrestling company from her father and tries to change it around and all the shenanigans that come along with the wrestlers pushing back and her dealing with the headaches of becoming a first-time promoter. So anyway, go check it out. It's called Paper Champions. Paul Lazenby will be here today talking all about that and his career as a stuntman, much, much more. Right after that, you're going to also hear our own Michael Weissman. He sat down with WWE Hall of Famer Jerry the King Lawler. And after that, we got our last bit of the StarCast Media Scrums, the one and only, one of the four horsemen, 
Tully Blanchard is going to be here on the show today with his StarCast Media Scrum. So you get Lazenby, Lawler, and Blanchard all here today on the Winkly, of course, with a dose of, of Justin and I as well. And if you don't have enough, if you haven't had enough pro wrestling in your life after this podcast, don't worry. You don't have to wait till Tuesday. We have more coverage, more pro wrestling coverage constantly over on Wrestling Inc. Three big shows this weekend that I know we're going to be providing live coverage for. Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 2, Triple A's Invading New York, and of course, WWE Clash of the Champions on Sunday. So strap in, get ready. Lots of pro wrestling. Man, that was a long-winded intro, but I got through it. We got through it all. Now we get to the fun discussion part, Justin. Let's do it. Okay, here we go. News you can use. News that'll leave a bruise. Uh, we're going to start here today with Impact Wrestling. Impact Wrestling very rarely gets the A block here on the Winkley, but it's a big News from them, it is official here. Of course, we found out on Monday that Anthem had become the majority stakeholder in Access TV. It was just a matter of time, we all figured, till we got the press release about Impact moving to Access TV. That looks like it's going to be the case now, as just this morning the release went out. Impact announcing their move to Access TV following their Bound for Glory pay-per-view on October 20th, right here in my backyard in Chicago. The show will continue to simulcast globally on Impact Wrestling's official Twitch channel, and they did not officially announce if the show would continue to air on Fridays. I've, I've put in a request to find that out myself. Still no word back here. Uh, but very exciting for Impact Wrestling. Uh, and again, this, this to me of all of the relationships right now between uh, pro wrestling companies and their platforms, this to me reminds me the most of WCW. This is like what Turner, this is like Ted Turner owned the, the platform and, imp- and the company there in WCW. So very interesting dynamic here. I'm interested to see how far Impact and Access can take this uh, relationship. Yeah, is this is this a step up for them in terms of like are they in more homes now oh, doing this? Absolutely, absolutely. Access TV yeah. uh, much further up on the dial than Pursuit. I know I have Direct TV. I watch Access TV um, right now. Um, uh, they have a lot of great musical programs uh, if you like concerts and things like that. But they also do have pro wrestling. Okay. Of course, Friday nights is New Japan and Women of Wrestling back to back. The reason I would want to know if they're going to be still on Fridays is because that would that would create like a four hour block of pro wrestling. The fans could watch on Friday nights between Impact, New Japan, and, and Women of Wrestling, and, and I—I I mean, that seems like something buzzy that some uh, uh, a sect of fans would definitely want to jam out on to end their week. Not to mention they'd be competing against WWE with SmackDown. Oh, that's true. So maybe they don't. Maybe they move it to a Thursday block or something like that. Or maybe maybe they try to play off it. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. What would you do if you were Impact Wrestling? No, I wouldn't put them up. With 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 Fox getting smacked on on Friday, I wouldn't put I wouldn't I, I would I would shoot for a, I would shoot for a, a Tuesday or Thursday, a day that AEW, WWE, and NXT aren't going. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, we shall see here. I do think it's very very interesting that Impact, New Japan, and Wow all under the same umbrella here. I wonder how that affects dynamics. A lot of talk about where New Japan goes in 2020. You know, obviously still partnered with. Ring of Honor at the moment here, but Ring of Honor seems to be focusing more on the CMLL relationship. But Don Callis, no secret, he's he's friends with guys at New Japan Impact Wrestling here. He's talked openly about you know how he almost got Kenny Omega to come to Impact before AEW. I wonder if we couldn't see that relationship uh, get get uh, blended and bonded a bit more going forward. Give me an exciting world. Exciting again. Keep saying it. October, October, October. Can't wait for October. Uh, well, there you go. Uh, well, let's get to WWE here at Russell votes, uh, confirming like speculation you had on the show yesterday, uh, Justin, that Michael Cole, uh, you know, could be doing less moving away, moving around. It looks like that's the case. Michael Cole is scheduled to head to SmackDown from raw going from a three hour show to the two hour show. Vic Joseph 
would then go to Raw. He'd become the lead announcer. It should be noted these changes with Cole and Joseph not set in stone, but that, that sounds to be the working idea at the moment, Justin. I, I would guess that you're not terribly surprised to hear this. No, and, uh, you know, I mean, Michael Cole, you're right. It's a, a shorter show, but obviously there's a lot of focus going to SmackDown with it, you know, going to Fox, so it's kind of a way for him to, uh, if this does in fact happen, it's a way for him to kind of um, introduce WWE into Fox and kind of you know get it going and then uh, you know but I don't I wouldn't expect him to be on SmackDown and Fox for you know five years I, I think it would be something you know maybe inside of a year and, and he tries to you know keep that seat warm for whoever they want to put in after him maybe Tom Phillips uh, again um, and, and yeah if, if Vic goes to Raw I mean Vic's been a guy who uh, he seems he's done all the, the right things and he's he's moved up the ladder with with just doing the one-off stuff he was to NXT and UK and 205 Live. And, of course, we saw him on Raw a few weeks ago in that cameo for, for a night. So, right. um, you know, I know I know he's somebody that Michael, that Michael Cole works with, as he does with all the young announcers. And so this, yeah, just kind of seems like we're moving into, the, into the, the new era, so to speak. And, you know, there was that talk uh, we had yesterday about them uh, possibly going back to a two-man booth, a two-person booth. Uh, if the stars were to align, it would sound like it would be Michael Cole and Renee Young on SmackDown, and then I'm guessing Vic Joseph and Corey Graves on Raw. I don't know where that leaves Byron Saxton, but if it's those, if those are the two person teams on Raw and SmackDown, I'm I'm kind of excited about that. I kind of I like how Cole works with Renee, and I could see Vic and Corey blending very nicely as well. Yeah, I mean, well, Corey works great with anybody, and, and Vic and Corey do have a, a, a natural rapport and chemistry and friendship. Um, the, the the Cole and Renee, I, I'm not I'm I'm not against it. I, I I would be interested to hear because we've never heard Renee. You know, we've always we've only, I've only ever experienced Renee in, in a three person booth. So I would right. be curious to see. She who knows she might thrive actually when she doesn't have to worry about uh, another. You know, she might thrive on just that two person booth. So I would be interested. In it. I think I think Renee gets a. I think sometimes she gets a. Uh, I think she I think the critics can be tougher on her. The wrestling fans can be tougher on her. I don't know if that's because you know, she's a, she's a woman or, or what it is, but I, I think she gets a, you know, a, a tough rap sometimes. So I would be interested to see how she can do having, you know, the most senior person, Michael Cole there with her and it just being a two person booth. Like I said, that she might thrive in that situation. Cause as we discussed yesterday, three, three person booths for live, live commentary. It's just, it's, it's hard, hard to navigate. Uh, well, Newsweek uh, did an interview with Triple H uh, where he talked about NXT and 205 Live. A couple of real interesting uh, news bits coming out of this. Uh, the first thing he did is he confirmed that the reason the first uh, couple episodes of NXT on USA will be one hour on USA, one hour on the network, is because Suits has to continue to air until their season finale. So wrestling fans will have to wait until Suits is done, Justin. Damn Suits. You no, he actually didn't. He complimented. He complimented Suits, though, didn't he? He kind of <laughs> said, like, that's a great program for our partners. And he was trying to, like, make sure he wasn't bashing. I thought that was, that was a fun quote to make sure he wasn't bashing the uh, – uh, the, the the shows and I, I think I think I think I think I think he laughed at the word preempted. He's like we're not being preempted. You know he, he tried to he tried to like you know create this as a positive thing for for NXT and USA. Sure, and it, you know it is. They, this is a nice chance for them to get a dry run out there these these two weeks. You know uh, what's he gonna say? Oh suits, it hasn't been the same since Meghan Merkel left the show. <laughs> That's right. That was a show she was on, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, she went from being on Suits to being a princess <laughs> over in the UK. Well, <laughs> Triple H went from being a Grinch blue blood to a McMahon. That's so, true. you know, it's, it's a, he also went to royalty. Maybe he's angling for a suits role here. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't want to read too deep into it. Uh, 
But, One day uh, you wake up, you're terrorizing. The next day you're ready to inherit a billion-dollar wrestling company. I will compliment Suits because when she left the show, the last episode they did with her was like a big wedding episode, I think. And it was right when she was getting married, and I was like, wow, this is the most excited I've ever been. I don't think I even watched it. But I was like, this is interesting, you know, that they're reflecting her real life in the scripted series Suits. Very odd. So, anyway. What is Suits even about? Suits is about Suits, man. It's about people in suits doing, making executive decisions and suiting on each other. <laughs> that was the dumbest response ever. Suits is about people in suits making decisions. <laughs> They're suiting on each other. There's, that's a suit, brother, right? <laughs> anyway. All right. I'm a where, where, do suits, where do suits rank between it, uh, Chrisley Knows Best, and La Femme Nikita? Man. Well, Chrisley Knows Best... <laughs> Chrisley knows best might might start to be heating up here pretty soon. Have you read all the crazy allegations against Todd Chrisley and his and his, his son? Yes, yes, <laughs> how's, yes. How's that show on television? Google it. I won't get into it here, uh, but that could very quickly become an exceptionally interesting bit of programming. Uh, all right. Well, back to this interview here with Triple H uh, from Newsweek. Uh, he also talked about. He was asked about two hundred five live, the future of two hundred five live. Uh, here's the full quote from Hunter about it. I think it always existed as an island onto itself, a little bit, and it's become lost in this limbo. You'll begin to see it move more towards the NXT banner and the talent there. We have a lot of talent for them to begin to compete either open against everyone in the crew or in the cruiserweight division, but have that title sit under the NXT brand is more meaningful. It creates more opportunities for more people. As for Raw and SmackDown, it's an open division for them. When you're on both shows, everybody is competing against everybody. Um, and yeah, I mean, it sounds like, you know, Cruiserweight title could be moving to NXT that I don't really know what this means other than like, I think it's a nice soft way of saying it. Don't expect for 205 live to be around forever here, potentially after this move for, to NXT in the USA. Did I, am I misreading that quote? No, I think I, I interpret it the same way. Um, you know, and quite frankly, I think it's probably for the best, you know, uh, they, they tried having it be its own show. Uh, it just it wasn't a bad show if you you know when i'll be honest i don't watch it every week as i've said on the show before but when i have seen it uh, you know it, it's it, i mean it's it's, it's very it's, it's it's great action you know it's, i mean it's great action in the ring but it just the show itself just didn't just didn't connect and maybe part of that's because they the way they unrolled the way they rolled it out i mean they they did a lot of trial and error in front of everybody with uh you know purple ropes change the mat change this change you know in the middle of raw and it, 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 i don't know it just it, it just never quite clicked the way i think they envisioned so i think at this point you know you have these guys under contract again it's great action in the ring um so no need to abolish it but yeah i think putting it somewhere in the nxt system and programming is probably the most appropriate place for it uh so yeah i mean i i, I interpret what, the same way you you did what he was saying in that interview. It's kind of interesting when you look at the way they're putting together NXT on USA ahead of this Wednesday night war with AEW. Right, it's a two hour program. You got a cruiserweight division potentially here. You got a faction like Undisputed Era. Right, you know where I'm going with this. It seems like a little WCWE here to me over on the NXT brand as we head to this battle. Yeah, yeah certainly different. Certainly parallels you can draw. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's you know, I think it's smart. Again, I, I think. I think the NXT brand and the crowd, I think it's most aligned and suited with to a fight with the cruiserweight division. So I think that makes the most sense. Uh, and he was also asked about the idea of uh, NXT lifers. Johnny Gargano has said that he'd be open to that. So 
is there a chance that people could debut on NXT, have their careers in NXT, and retire at NXT? And Hunter's like, of course, sure. It's a third brand now. That can happen. Um, so there it is. It's yeah. On, it's on the yeah, level. I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, oh. yeah, I mean, more more than ever, it truly is a third brand. I mean, we, you know, for the last couple of years, I've tried my best to not use the term and phrasing, oh, this person is being called up from NXT or this person is going to go down to NXT. I, I tried to, because that kind of, that, that that made it seem like it was you know triple a versus the majors and and i tried to move away from that and then now it truly is equal it truly is an equal third brand in the fact that they're going to get you know we, we've heard the different figures 50 70 whatever they're going to get million they're going to get tens of millions of dollars from usa and tv rights um it's live it's on it's on the same it's on the same platform that money Night raw is the, the, the quote-unquote flagship um so I mean, it truly is an equal third brand, and 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 with that, uh, you know that that means the money involved in it for the talent is going to now be more equal to what Raw and SmackDown talents are getting. So it truly is an equal third brand. So yeah, you could be a lifer, and, and but just like you said, you could also be on NXT and go to Raw or SmackDown and then come back, just just as guys have been doing for years, going between Raw and SmackDown. Now they have three brands to shuffle between. So. Um, yeah, I think I think we truly, truly are past. You know, NXT is still developmental. If you're part of the NXT that's not on TV, that's traveling house shows and you know in in Key Largo, Florida, or whatever, uh, and you know the developmental you know branch of it that goes into the Performance Center. But the NXT show that's on now, it's going to be on live Wednesdays, and and, and the roster that competes with Takeovers. I mean, that, that it is truly uh, an equal third brand. There is no more going up, going down. It is all. Uh, they're they're all lateral on the same 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 level. Yeah, cool just to hear it say uh, said out loud like that too by Hunter. So a really interesting interview. I, I'd recommend it there from Newsweek. There was also a great interview with Bret Hart uh, over at Sports Illustrated. Our good friend Justin Barrasso uh, in it. The the big takeaways like the big newsy stuff. He put over Drew McIntyre. He put over Becky Lynch. He, he talks about his time in King of the Ring. So go check that out here. Uh, but I'll use that to segue into the Observer's report about Drew McIntyre's injury. Now we had talked earlier this week about how. Drew was uh, out with injury at the moment. We now have more information about what that injury is. Uh, Drew's injury is not bone or muscle related. If it's not bone or muscle related, what is it, Justin? What's left? Mucus? Uh, uh, mental. Mental. Okay, mental. <laughs> I don't know. Do you need? I mean, maybe. Uh, yeah, you're right. Maybe, maybe he had to poke around at his brain. I'm not sure, but it's not bone or muscle related. Uh, so besides the surgery, McIntyre was reportedly sick. For a few weeks, but just kept it to himself, continued to work. His last match was on August 26th uh, on Raw. It was a King of the Ring loss to Ricochet. He was so sick that day that he could barely get out of bed. He figured he had the flu, and that was why he was run down. So he kept it to himself, and he worked through it. Let's take a pause here for a second. Justin, um, have you had the flu? Not recently, but I've had it, of course. Yeah. I've, I've, I've thankfully knock on wood. Same for me, but it's pretty bad when you have the flu. It's pretty awful. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and I've all. I mean, that, that's always threw me for a loop. I, I know, like, I'm trying to remember which match it was. Like Bret Hart. Like I remember right back in the '90s, had like a big match where he had like 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 strep throat or something. Like I'm always amazed. I mean, having you know having worked on pro wrestling shows, and and obviously I don't perform at the level that these guys do, and at the frequency these guys do for in, in the course of a year. I can't imagine having the flu or some of the things that we've heard in the past that these guys have. And, and like, yeah, I mean, there's an adrenaline factor. I mean, I've experienced adrenaline. And so you can like, you know, bypass physical pain for a time period uh, until the adrenaline wears off stuff like that. But I mean, still, you know, flu, all that stuff when you're just, 
all the stuff that could be happening when you're having to fly. I just, I just can't, imagine I can't imagine putting on the spandex, put, putting on the spandex and the boots, and getting out there and doing what you got to do. But also, also, if like every, you know, you're walking around, you're sweating, you're working. I mean, about as closely with your coworkers as you can possibly work. Um, yeah. I, 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 you know, the flu is rather contagious. Just a little, right. little uh, weird for me, scary for me. Anyway, uh, WWE officials told McIntyre to go see a doctor. When he returned from Mexico last week, that's when the doctor diagnosed him with whatever this injury is and said, you need to get into surgery immediately. They had him in surgery within three hours. Drew is said to be ready to. So whatever this was, it's a very minor surgery. It says here he's ready to return to the ring now, but he's waiting on the call from WWE and approval from the doctors. It's believed he could be cleared by WWE doctors as soon as next week's post Clash of Champions TV shows. So doesn't look like Drew will be out that long, but man, that is Tough, crazy. I, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm glad I'll be back soon. But yeah, what a wild story there. Hmm. On the topic, on the topic of Drew, he obviously he is really good in the ring. He has that look. I mean, he I mean he 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 has perfected his look. I mean, we've seen the evolution of Drew McIntyre over the years. I mean, he's always been tall, but he's 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 bulked up. You know, the beard, every, everything, the music. I mean, he he's got the presence, but it still seems like there's that. Is there is there still like is he ready to be like? world champion material main event material or is he like still missing that like that it fact is he still missing that talk you into the building or, or you must see him or i i, I can't figure out because like he just he's kind of like randy orton in the sense it's like man it's like you know the whole you know if you can create a wrestler this is the wrestler you're going to create but he just doesn't have that it feels like he doesn't have that promo and i'm, I'm just wondering like what like i mean he's in his mid-30s now i mean time's a ticking yeah no no no. i i agree with you i think you got to pick a direction and run with it right like he's either going to be the top heel on a brand or he's gonna be a top baby face they're gonna put i mean and you can go either direction with this guy right he's capable of of doing either but you got to push this guy hard as a singles competitor in either one of those roles the problem with drew is you know with the, the mean street posse stuff he was doing with shane you know he did that thing with whatever it was lashley and baron corbin for a while he's always kind of been uh, a part of a, a group, a collective. He's been the muscle, right? Um, uh, I, I would like to see him get that individual run where he picks a direction and either decides to be the worst guy on Raw or SmackDown or become what he's supposed to be, you know, whatever Vince McMahon called him, the chosen one, and live up to that potential and, and ride that wave. Does that make sense? And when, ta- and when talking about, yes, it does. And when talking about groups with Drew McIntyre, we cannot leave out 3MB. 3MB, well, I, you know what? At this point, I think the 3MB <laughs> would probably be getting a big pop. I, I, I think people would be happy to see 3MB back together. You can even get Swaggle. What a great book he has, by the way. Life is short and so am I. I read it. Sitting next to me here on the desk. Uh, all right, well, there you go. Drew will be back here pretty soon. Is the, bo- is the, is the, book, is the book short? Uh, book's an appropriately sized book. It's the same size as all the other ECW press books. That would be funny, though, if it was a tiny book. That would be very well, no, but I mean, like, it should be short. It should be like 40 pages, right? It's not short. It's like almost 300 pages. I read this whole book. Anyway, all right, uh, moving on. Uh, at WFNZ, caught up with Sasha Banks. Uh, another interview here. Comment uh, that uh, was uh, we'll share here on this about her WWE hiatus that she took uh, for a couple months. She said, I've been doing this for seven years, uh, seven years straight, no breaks. People need to step back, reevaluate their lives, take care of their souls and their minds. I'm back better than ever. I got myself a championship match on Sunday, so I think I did quite well for myself. There you go. That is Sasha Banks addressing the crazy month's worth of news about what she's doing and where her headspace was at. That sounds about, I mean, if it's not the, it's not the truth, that's a good cover story. 
Yeah, that's a good PR answer. I mean, you know, nobody can argue with that. You can't argue. Yeah, she has been going at it for however many years, you know, dating back to <clears throat> prior to WWE, and and and, and you do need to, to to reset them. So I mean, it's like the it's like the perfect answer because you, there's nothing about it that you can argue. So. PWInsider.com reporting the WWE Hall of Famer Kurt Angle, now a full-time producer for WWE Raw. He's been working behind the scenes for the Raw brand, which is why he was backstage at this week's TV shows at Madison Square Garden, New York City. He's been shadowing other producers here for a couple months to get acclimated to the role. Um, this is a logical progression for Kurt, and he's going to kill it in this role. I can't imagine he brings anything but awesomeness to the role of a WWE producer. Yeah, it's a logical progression. It's also good. I think Kurt is. I think Kurt's one of those. I think. I think keeping Kurt busy and involved with the team is a plus for him in his life. I, I think. Like, I mean, obviously he's, you know, still gets to be home x amount of days and with his kids and his wife. And it's you know, he's obviously he's not physically taxed the way he would be if he was a if he was a in ring performer. Um, but I think this is good. This keeps him busy. It kind of keeps him, you know, keeps him with a goal. Keeps him a part of things rather than you know. I, I think there's certain guys you, you come to find in, in the wrestling business, especially that. You know, they need to stay busy to a certain extent. You know, they, they need to be they need to have something to put focus their time on that they don't do well just just sitting around. And I, I think I think Kurt might fall in, fall into that category. So this is good to hear. Yeah, agreed. And uh, there's some other backstage hirings here. Uh, we'll wrap it up with some new WWE hires. A former Impact Wrestling announcer, Mackenzie Mitchell. She revealed on social media she's joined the company as an on-air host. No word exactly on what all she's be, she'll be doing yet. Uh, but WWE has also hired Matt Camp to work as an on-air host in WWE Digital Talent. Uh, Camp, uh, he's worked for Bleacher Report and SiriusXM. He also has done commentary work for Tama Dreamer's uh, House of Hardcore promotion. Uh, I've actually had the chance. Uh, I did. I was like the ring announcer when he was on commentary for a House of Hardcore match about two years ago in Milwaukee. Seemed like a really nice dude. I know Tommy really liked him a lot, so I'm sure these two will be great uh, in WWE. Yeah, House of Hardcore has kind of become another uh, pipeline, um, whether whether Tommy wants it to be or not for WWE. Um, it'd be, I mean, you know, I, you know, we talked about earlier about Vic. You know, Vic, Vic came from, you know, Vic was at House of Hardcore doing commentary prior to being hired by WWE uh, some years ago. So yeah, so this is a again new generation, new era, you know, new new blood, new voices. Uh, we're all getting older. Time time keeps moving, whether we want it to or not. My guests, my guests at this time are professional stuntman, actor, MMA fighter, Paul Lazenby, and the director of the upcoming Canadian comedy pro wrestling series, Paper Champions, Brady Roberts. Brady, Paul, thank you very much for taking the time today. Thanks, man. Happy to be here. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll kick it here. Uh, I'll kick it to you first, Brady. Um, what is Paper Champions? What can, what can pro wrestling fans expect from this show? Yeah, so Paper Champions is a seven-episode comedy sitcom that centers around a girl named Audrey who's a struggling writer. Uh, her dad owns and operates a very struggling independent wrestling company, just sort of reminiscent of any of your local indies. You know, none of the guys are any good. The show is kind of falling apart. The arena's falling apart. The uh, local TV ratings are in the can, and uh, Audrey inherits the company from her dad. She's not a fan of wrestling, uh, and she wants to make some big changes. And, of course, the, the wrestlers are, are really having some issues with that. So it's, it's a really fun show. I worked for many years as an independent wrestler. I trained at Lance Storm's Wrestling Academy, uh, which is how I know Paul as well, who trained with Lance many years ago uh, back in the 1800s or something like that, I think, is when they trained. And, uh, and so, you know, sort of loosely, uh, loosely inspired by my time working at Stampede Wrestling and some of the other wrestling companies across Canada, 
so yes, yeah, it's a super fun show, uh, comedy about wrestling. Gotcha. And Paul, how did you get involved in Paper Champions? What uh, what can we expect from you in this show? Well, uh, as Brady said, uh, you know we know each other through wrestling circles, and and then Brady, uh, uh, we met through Lance. He moved out here a few years ago to uh, to get into the film and television industry, and um, so we've been keeping contact ever since. And and he put it in front of me when when the series. Uh, looked like it was coming to fruition and, and initially it looked like my involvement was going to be very um very minimal and then it just kind of grew and grew as the plans uh were were taking fruit and as, as the uh the shoot date got closer until uh, i ended up with the role of disco duke who is uh, basically audrey's mentor slash father figure through the uh, the episode he was her father's partner in the organization and a guy who had his own heyday in like the late 80s early 90s in japan as a professional wrestler and is now, uh, you know, kind of on the back end. He's, his career is over, and he's, he's mentoring and overseeing this uh, this group of extremely ragtag professional wrestlers who are trying to build something out of their company, Ring of Champions. And uh, and how was it? You know, you're you're like a genuine badass, Paul. Um, how was it for you getting to like show a more comedic side of yourself in this? I loved it. I mean, it's uh, that is one thing that I'm glad you pointed that out because, um, you know, obviously when I get called out for roles. Uh, it's you know thugs and cops and gang members and things like that. And I've got no problem with playing those roles, but I do like being able to do something that people don't expect when they look at me. And uh, so in this case, you know, playing a more paternal figure, uh, comedy, which I absolutely love doing, and uh, you know I, I want to do as much of as possible. Uh, just the last few years, I've been been doing a lot of children's programs and and comedy in that regard, and now getting a chance to do this. Uh, it was really something I could sing my teeth into, and, and I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I've never had more fun than I did playing Duke in Paper Champions. And, and Brady, you know, you I saw in the press release here, you've uh, got an uh, appearance here from Lance Storm as well. Lance Storm, also somebody that's, like, notoriously very serious. How was it getting to, to bring these guys in and, and, and shake them up a little bit and show that different side of themselves? Yeah, I think it was a ton of fun. And, I mean, Lance is one of those guys who's um, – I think he's actually funnier than people are led to believe. Uh, if you ever spend any time with him, he's got a real dry sense of humor. Uh, and so we utilized him as the sort of bodyguard of our main villain uh, in the show. And, and Lance was really funny. So we had him on set for a day. And we also had the Storm Wrestling Academy students. He had a, a class of about 20 kids at that time. So we used them as kind of extra wrestlers. Uh, also had Dominic, uh, Ray Mysterio's son, was training at the time at Lance's Academy, so he makes a brief appearance in the show. Uh, so, yeah, it's always fun to to kind of take guys out of their comfort zone. And like you said, obviously, Paul's background, being a mixed martial artist and fighting around the world, and, and then, you know, getting to see him do, like, a comedy role and really crush it was uh, was really cool, just because you don't expect it when you look at him to think, like, oh, man, this guy's got great comedic timing. But Lance, Paul, these guys really uh, brought it. Yeah, and I saw Ray was also on the press release here. That's really cool to hear that you pulled Dominic in on this thing. Uh, I, I guess I, I don't know. Have yeah. you seen Have you seen him uh, do anything in the ring? Like, what do you what do you, what do you think of Dominic? You know, what can we expect from this guy? Uh, I personally actually haven't seen him in the ring at all. We didn't get a chance. Unfortunately, we were filming pretty much the whole time that we were in Calgary. So I would have loved to uh, stop by the academy. I spent many years training there. Um, so I actually haven't seen Dominic in the ring at all, but uh, I'm sure with the, I, I know he's trained at a few different schools. I'm sure he's getting like the best education in wrestling ever. So uh, I'm excited to see him in a match. Yeah. And, and Paul, yeah, I've, I've had a few talks with his dad about Dominic's training and uh, he's been, uh, Ray has, he wants Dominic to learn the way pro wrestlers used to learn. And I think, which is the best way of learning. And that's 
to be very peripatetic and to go from place to place to place and you know, wrestle yep. in Mexico, you know, wrestle in England, wrestle in Canada, wrestle in Japan, because they all have different styles. Yeah. And then you learn how to blend those styles and you become a performer who can work with anybody in any style and get a good match out of them. So I think I would predict that Dominic is really going to make his mark on the business in the coming years. Well, and I know you guys both trained at Lance Storm Academy, just like Dominic is now. You know, Paul, what what is Lance Storm like as a trainer? What was it like going through the Lance Storm Academy? Well, I had a bit of a unique experience because uh, I I go way back, and I actually trained at the Hart Brothers Academy, oh, that's which right. is of course run by the same Hart family. And Lance Storm with Chris Jericho as his assistant were the instructors, and they were just rounding out their own rookie years. I was just talking with Jericho about this yesterday and we were laughing about it. Like, what, what kind of school has guys teaching who don't even have a year under their belt yet? But I will say this much. You know, Lance always had a tremendous mind for the business. Chris always had great instincts for the business, even way back then. And between the two of them, I got a better education out of those two rookie guys than I would have gotten out of a lot of more established guys who might have been going through the motions. So um, there's, there's a joke that was made by Christian uh, from WWE a long time ago that Lance was born 30. And uh, I think that uh, that's, that's quite true. In fact, Lance's mom validated it. Lance was probably born a 30-year-old man because I met him when he was 22, and it felt like I was talking to my dad. Man. Uh, <laughs> and, and, Paul, you've been involved with pretty much every major MMA organization for a while now. I mean, how different is it for you training for pro wrestling as opposed to when you get ready for an MMA fight? Well, again, I, I kind of went into it uh, booty backwards, so to speak, because I, uh, I started as a pro wrestler. Yeah. I had no desire to uh, do real fights whatsoever. So, uh, so I'm more well, I was more well acquainted with pro wrestling training. And I only learned a few shoot holds just in case wrestling matches would break down in, into real fights, which occasionally happens. Jesus. But I always wanted to wrestle in Japan, and the opportunity came by way of being a real fighter. So I lied my way into a, a mixed martial arts organization. So my experience of training is actually quite brutal, and it's very, very different from pro wrestling because I cut my teeth by fighting some of the best fighters in the world. You know, just by jumping in the deep end and getting slaughtered. So uh, compared to that, you know, the, the worst bumps I ever took, the most brutal tours, uh, they're, they're nothing compared to that. So pro wrestling is uh, pro wrestling's really, really tough and it's, it's insanely punishing in its own way. But training-wise, uh, my MMA experience was a lot tougher. Now, do you think that pro wrestling right now is headed in a more MMA direction? I feel like there's a lot more MMA talents that are that are getting involved these days with pro wrestling. Well, the crowds are getting more educated. You know, if you look back uh, in Japan in the 90s, the crowds were educated. And so they would be responding to the groundwork that would get you booed out of the building if you tried it in North America. Now North American fans are catching up and they're recognizing things that they see in UFC and see in jiu-jitsu tournaments and grappling tournaments. So you are seeing that element folded into uh, pro wrestling. But... Um, I don't think it's taking an MMA element because that would mean it would be following the thread of a lot of the, uh, what they call war shoot groups in the early nineties. And, um, that, that there is a resurgence of that style, but it's very much a niche and the, the current, um, theme of pro wrestling tends to be more toward, uh, theatricality, um, big high spots, you know, big athleticism, Cirque du Soleil type performances. Um, my personal preference is a little bit more of a storytelling style, but you know, everybody's got their own thing. Yeah. Are you familiar with uh, GCW's uh, blood sport shows? Yes, actually, Killer Cross is a friend of mine, and um, and uh, he's uh, I, I tuned in specifically to see him do his thing, and also to see Suzuki, who's a, a very good friend of mine. He tortured me horribly in Japan during my training time there. I bet. Um, and I was very impressed. You know, I, I I think Josh Barnett put on a hell of a show. You know, it's 
Obviously, it's got his wrinkles that need ironing out, but any new show does. And overall, uh, I, I love it. I'm glad they're coming back for a second go-around. Yeah, and this one's going to be big. You know, they're going to have Barnett in there with John Moxley. What do you think of that pairing there with these two? I'm skeptical, but I'm not going to shoot anything down until I see it because, you know, I, I think that on a show like that, everybody should have some sort of actual credentials, you know, because it's supposed to be veering more toward looking like a real fight. And, you know, Moxley's a hell of a, hell of a performer, but I don't know what his amateur credentials are or he's like, if he's an amateur wrestler or if he's a, a shooter of any type. If he is, then great. If he's not, We'll see if he can make it work. I'm, I'm going uh, to reserve judgment until I watch that match. And, you know, Josh, in that particular environment, in that style, I think he's a, a very, very solid talent, as he showed with Suzuki on the main event of the first show. Yeah, and, you know, you brought up Killer Cross. I was actually in the building for the last Bloodsport. I saw Cross and Davey. I was, like, 20 feet away while that was going on. Um, you know, what, what do you make of Killer Cross? You know, what, uh, as a guy, you know, how is he as a guy, and, and what are your expectations for him? I think he's got no end of potential, quite frankly. He, he carries about him a, an air of seriousness and legitimacy, and, and uh, he can be a very unsettling guy. You know, it's, we're in an age now where like it, it, you, everybody knows the, the old code of kayfabe, the wrestler's omerta, is, is dead and gone. And uh, unfortunately, that's caused a lot of people to be lazy and a lot of fans to be skeptical, where they question everything they see now because, oh, I, I know it's fake, so it all must be fake. And Cross is one of those few performers who can make you doubt. You know, he's, he's the kind of guy that there's reality in there. He is legitimately a bad dude. He is legitimately a tank of a man who has spent years and years educating himself on various ways to hurt people. And he's good at it. And, he, and he's put that to practice. You know, he was doing bare knuckle fights in northern Canada with no cameras and, and just, you know, the only people, the people in the building were the only ones watching. So Cross is the real deal. He's a bad dude who can also perform, and uh, he's got the look. He, he's, all the pieces are in place for that guy to be a megastar in the near future. That's crazy. I had no idea he did bare-knuckle fights. That's that's like a, that's a, that's something that's coming back now, the bare-knuckle fighting. Are you a fan of, of that medium, or, or what do you think of bare-knuckle fights? Very much so. I think that um, bringing in gloves for mixed martial arts and, and, uh, and any kind of combat sport, it's a concession to uh, the perception of the uneducated fan. You know, they think a padded fist makes it safer. It actually makes it more dangerous. In the case of boxing, um, if you're throwing, and I know because I, you know, I've trained in boxing, I've fought competitively in both Muay Thai and mixed martial arts. I've fought with no gloves, I've fought with small gloves, and I've fought with eight-ounce gloves. And the bigger the glove, the more indiscriminate you are in, in how many punches you throw and where they land on your opponent's head because your fist is protected. And that's what those gloves are for, to protect your hand, not your opponent. So that means additional brain damage because there's additional head trauma. Yeah. In a bare-knuckle fight, and I know this from experience, you have to be very judicious in how you place your punches and where you put them and how hard you throw them. And that means you're going to be less inclined to throw additional head shots. In the case of an MMA match, you're going to be more inclined to go for different submission holes that don't do brain damage because your hands are more limber and free than they are with a glove. So gloves actually make combat sports more dangerous and i am very happy to see bare knuckle boxing coming back we'll see a lot more broken hands we'll see a lot more cut up eyebrows but we will see you know we'll still see brain damage because that's the nature of any combat sport we'll, we'll see a lot less of it than we do in traditional boxing and other combat sports well obviously we're going to get to see a, a comedic side of you here in paper champions but your imdb page i mean the amount of professional stuntman work you've done paul you've worked with everybody you've been in everything i mean what drew you to wanting to become a professional stuntman as well 
I kind of fell over sideways into it because I moved to Vancouver in, in 1998 as a last stab at trying to make it as a professional wrestler. There was nothing going on in Ontario where I was from. And my good friend, Dr. Luther, said, well, move out here. I'll, you can stay with me. I'll get you a job. And, and there's a wrestling circuit out here, and you can keep going. And I had just realized that the dream was dead around the year 2000. And I bumped into a stunt coordinator named James Bamford, who is now a director-producer on the uh, TV series Arrow. And he was looking for a wrestling technical advisor for a series that he was about to take over called Los Luchadores. It was about uh, Mexican pro wrestling superheroes, kids show. Okay. And uh, so we got to talking about me possibly being his tech advisor. And then he brought me into the business and he's been my mentor in the business ever since, you know, we're almost 20 years in now. And that guy has had my back up, down and sideways. And, and without him, I, I'm not living the life I've got right now. I owe James Bamford everything that I got business wise. And he's been a tremendous friend as well. So that was uh, crossing paths with that guy was some tremendous good fortune. And that is the reason that I'm a stuntman and an actor today. That's awesome. And, you know, with as being a stuntman, obviously, I would think that you're entitled to SAG and after benefits when you work on all these major films and things like that. I mean, do you feel like the UFC fighters, the, the, the pro wrestlers in WWE and AEW, do you think that they should be offered a lot of the same benefits that you get for the work that you do? Um, I'm actually a member of the Canadian Union, so it's ACTRA, but you know, it's our equivalent of SAG-ACTRA for sure. Okay. Um, there, there is good and bad about belonging to a union. You know, I do have, you know, there are things about our union that I would like to see changed, but I, there are also ways in which I've benefited greatly from being a member of the union. So I will never take that away from the union organization, and, and it's, it's been a, a good thing in a lot of ways for me to be in one. People need to be protected, and especially fighters need to be protected. It's a very exploitive industry. And uh, I, I want the Ali Act to be brought into mixed martial arts because MMA is what boxing used to be, where the fighters are treated like livestock and, and the, uh, you know, the guys smoking the cigars and wearing the $5,000 suits are making all the money and shedding none of the blood. Yeah. So uh, the sooner we can get some sort of union organization in mixed martial arts, and all combat sports across the board, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and uh, one of the things I noted while I was doing research on you, you've doubled for Stone Cold Steve Austin, like, a lot of times. Like, you've been his stunt double. I actually just saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last night, which is all about the relationship between actors and their stuntmen. What is uh, What was it like working with Stone Cold Steve Austin all those times? That was an absolute career highlight. Um, you know, Steve's one of my closest friends now, and, and it's, it was kind of surreal for me because I thought it was just I was going to end up working with him once and that's it. Uh, I, we actually worked together initially on a, a movie called Damage, and uh, I played one of his opponents in a bare-knuckle fight where he accidentally broke my nose. Oh, my God. And, um, you know, we, we went out and had a drink afterward and then had a laugh about it. But uh, I thought that was going to be it. And then he uh, had signed a multi-picture deal to come back multiple times, and, and I was brought in to double him the first time, and, and it was a great match. You know, we just happened to be a tremendous physical match. We even moved the same way. And uh, we got along great, so it turned into a six-picture run, doubling him, and, and um, he's just a great dude. You know, I always have great admiration for somebody who can be massively successful, but none of it goes to their head. And that definitely describes Austin. You know, he, he has said before, I'm the same guy that used to work on a loading dock in Texas. You know, I, I, there's no Hollywood in me. Uh, he, he doesn't think he's, he's a superhuman. He doesn't think he's royalty better than everybody else. He's the single greatest income generator in the history of professional wrestling, but you would never know it. He's just Steve. He's an absolutely great guy, and it was it was a fantastic run doubling him. Well, I want to double back here real quick to something you said earlier about uh, being trained early on by Lance and Chris Jericho in their you know rookie years. You know, Chris has obviously gone on to become 
you know, Chris Jericho, one of the most influential wrestlers in the world. What do you make of him aligning himself with AEW and helping to launch this new promotion on, on TNT? Well, I think that, uh, I think WWE has needed competition for a long time. Uh, I think that the, the whole industry suffers if there's only one giant and nobody breathing down their neck, professional wrestling and MMA. Uh, I think it applies to both. Yeah. And so I'm glad to see a new big dog on the block. And, and I think that AEW really needs Chris. Uh, I, I think, um, you know, he's a guy that has a great vision. He practically sees around corners. You know, he, he can keep people guessing. He can constantly reinvent himself. And I think the whole company is going to benefit from having a guy with that mindset at the, at the, the forefront of their company. So uh, if I were involved in AEW, I would do whatever I had to to keep Chris happy and keep him on board because as a fledgling company that's still trying to find its feet and find its identity, Nobody can help them more than Chris Jericho. And, you know, Brady, I'll kick it to you here. You know, we're talking about AEW here right now. What do you think of their presentation? Yeah. You know, as a, as, a, as a director, producer yourself, what do you think of the way they're putting out their product right now? Oh, I, I think it's been awesome. I've watched every AEW show so far, uh, and I think it's I think they're presenting themselves in a way that's different enough from WWE that it's really exciting to watch. Uh, and I think it's just, like, a really exciting time in general for the wrestling industry, right, with the AEW coming out in October – and, you know, the New Japan's expansion and everything that's happening with that. Even some of these smaller companies really rising up. Like, I think it's it's a really exciting time in wrestling. And, and that's why I'm excited to launch Paper Champions sort of, like, coinciding with that. I mean, we haven't uh, announced an actual release date yet. We're just crossing some T's and dotting some I's right now. But it's going to be in the early fall. So sort of, again, in that same kind of time frame. Okay. Um, so it's, it's really exciting. It's, it's like AEW sort of makes me feel like um, I'm excited to be a wrestling fan again, which I haven't felt in many years just because it feels like things have been kind of stagnant. Yeah, and, and you know, Brady, back to you, you know, what do you, what do you think of Glow right now on Netflix? Is that a show that you think kind of helped open the door for, for shows like Paper Champions? Yeah, Glow is cool. You know, I watched the whole first season, and, and I thought it was fantastic. I, I feel like Glow is more of a, I guess I would call like a dramedy, drama comedy. Um, and, you know, obviously we get a lot of people saying, oh, you're doing this, to this sitcom about wrestling is it is it like glow and and uh, of course it's going to be that's going to be the one show that we get compared to the most uh and i would say that the main difference being that our show is more of a straight comedy like if you look at something like workaholics or letter kenny or brooklyn 99 something along those lines uh arrested development uh something like that where glow is obviously more, certainly more dramatic um and i also think that paper champions because of my experience in wrestling uh, Paul's experience in wrestling, the various cameos that we had. It's a show that's, while it's a comedy and it's over the top slightly, it's still very true to wrestling um, and what actually happens on the independent. You know, I had many years living that world. So uh, while we certainly poke fun at it, it's, it's, um, it's done from a standpoint of people that actually love wrestling, which is very different than a lot of past films and TV shows that have been made uh, about wrestling. I've been on set of m movies about wrestling where I thought, I don't think anyone here has ever actually seen wrestling before. Um, and this is sort of the opposite of that. This is coming from people that really live that business. Well, cool. I think and it's, it's, uh, it really does flesh out the wrestling, all the aspects of the wrestling business. It's not a bunch of in-ring action with a little bit of footage on the side to accentuate it. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, Chris Jericho's name came up. He was, he was constantly badgering me. When am I going to get some download links for this before they were available? And uh, he's very excited about the uh, series coming out. And um, when I first talked to him about it, he said, well, is it, 
what is, is it like a wrestling show? And I said, no, no, it's a comedy that happens to be about a wrestling company. He said, well, that's the best part of wrestling. The yeah. craziest stories are about everything around what happens in the ring, everything that happens backstage and the whole wrestling lifestyle. So so you guys are, are already coming at it from the right angle. That's yeah. awesome. Very cool. And you have to be, I think you have to be a little bit insane to become a professional wrestler, to be honest, because you're, you're literally beating the crap out of your body for no money, traveling to these small towns and, and sleeping on gym floors. And like, I mean, the stories are, are crazy. Like you have to sort of be a little off in the head, I think, to become a wrestler. And I say that as someone who's probably a little off in the head. But the, so the characters that you meet backstage, just like Paul said, like they're wilder than the people that you meet in the ring. Like it's, it's, those are the characters that are the most fun to explore, right? It's just these people that become wrestlers. You know, it, this sounds great, man. You know, I, I guess it's a great yeah. place to put a button in it here. Brady, where can people go find sure. more information about Paper Champions, uh, find you, follow you guys, all those great things online? Totally. So we just started a Facebook page a couple of days ago. Uh, so you can search Paper Champions TV is what you'll search. And on Instagram, we are at Paper Champions TV uh, as well as the, is the link to Instagram. So that'll have, it's got some clips, it's got the trailer, it's got the behind-the-scenes photos, and of course the uh, release date's going to be announced right away, and we're also announcing where everyone can see it. We're just making sure that it's going to be available internationally online so that everyone around the world can see it at the same time. Uh, that's kind of what we're finalizing. So early fall uh, of this year, uh, we did a couple of screenings already in Vancouver and Calgary that went really well. Uh, people really love the show, so I'm excited to, to launch it sooner than later. Michael Wiseman here at Wrestling Inc. with true royalty of wrestling, the king, Jerry the King Lawler. Jerry, how's it going? Michael, everything's going great. <laughs> We're here at StarCast 3. It's been awesome. Uh, just did a long appearance with uh, JR, signed a bunch of pictures, yeah. had a bunch of pictures with fans. It's been a, a good time so far. Yeah, there's a lot happening in the world of professional wrestling right now, but I think the thing that's on ever so cool, I had on my WWE shirt and he had on an AEW shirt. Not really. Cross pollinating. Yeah, yeah, we were cross pollinating. <laughs> you're right. Well, how does that feel? You know, you are known for being with the WWE and you're still doing some announcing gigs for them and um, still associated in that family, and yet coming to an event like StarCast, what does it mean to you to be such a legend you can kind of associate with? "Quote unquote," the enemy. <laughs> it means a good payday. That's right. There that's you what go. I mean. um, I, you know, that's that's what we're all. That's what everybody's here for. Uh, it's it's a great opportunity. They they draw a big crowds. A lot of people come to see you, and you make, you know, you make a good payday. And uh, the great thing with the WWE, uh, I'm I'm under the same contract that I've been under for. 23 years. Yeah. I'm still under an announcing contract. I'm under a talent contract. I even have a legends contract. But um, I'm under the same contract for the last 23 years. And I just re-signed last January for another two years. So, um, but the great thing about them, I mean, you know, I've been there so long. They let me, um, they, they still let me go out and do independent shows because I don't wrestle there since they, uh, the cardiac arrest. I haven't wrestled for them anymore, but I still do. Uh, you know, I, I, I uh, especially with the Fox Sports thing coming up, SmackDown, probably going to be doing some more stuff. But, um, but the great thing is, I get to go out and do stuff like this, and they never, they never uh, ask me. They know, uh, you know, I'm not going to do anything to embarrass the company. I'm going to always be, I'm going to always be representing, and uh, so it's, uh, it's good. 
one, one quick question. Now you got to go. But I, and, and also, you rec you said, what is it like? Uh, uh, you know, associating with the enemy. Cross pollinating. Yeah. Yeah. They're not the enemy. Sure. I mean, you know, it's just. Uh, we're all a wrestling family, right? Exactly. That's right. So I got to ask this. Um, you were in a big angle the other week with Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, kind of putting over a big what? A big angle, right? Oh, angle. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, kind of talked about uh, a big angle. You know, it is. It's 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 all right. You got attacked, right? Um, and you talk about you know having a health scares in the past, but. <laughs> That's right. Um, so okay. What? So so so, what does it mean to you to still be in a position where they want to use you in a physical fashion, um, and in a very dramatic fashion, to put over somebody like Bray Wyatt and this new character that he's developed? What does it mean? Yeah. Is what does it mean question? to you? Yeah. I mean, how how does it feel? Because it, it could have been anybody up there, but because it was Jerry the King Lawler, and you're so beloved, right? It means so much more to that character and to what happened out there on stage, right? So, so I, I, mean, I should be asking you what it meant. But to you, that's what it meant. There's uh, there's Jerry the King, and he's beloved, and all of a sudden Bray Wyatt attacks him. So that makes you mad at Bray Wyatt, right? Sure, absolutely. Well, that's what it means. That's all it's about. It's, it's the wrestling business. That's that's what that's all about. Holly, how does it feel like just to kind of be in back in the fold of a mainstream wrestling product and like in a manager role as well as just kind of an advisor role too? I think advisor role is probably a better description because I'm not managing and taking care of airfares and stuff like that. Um, I do know that uh, I have been away from this world other than StarCast and, and autograph shows for a long time. Uh, but there's a lot of knowledge still floating around that I've been thinking of since Sean uh, approached me with with uh, helping him out, and uh, I think right now the the better he and I get to mesh, and think the better the product will be. And uh, as for me getting back into uh, the fold is a little scary. I mean, I've been this November will be thirty years. And uh, so I'm as anxious as you guys are about tomorrow night. So, How familiar were you were with uh, or were you with Sean Spears' work ahead of this situation? Um, he contacted me and then uh, I talked to Arn a little bit about it because he was, and Arn said uh, all the right positive things. And then... Uh, Sean and I had a couple of conversations, and then we did the the uh, interview thing with uh, Jr. Uh, down in Jacksonville at the stadium. And uh, you know, there's sometimes you just got to keep your mouth shut <laughs> and let actions speak louder than words. So, Tully, you've had a love hate relationship with the Rhodes family over the years. Uh, what do you think of what Cody's doing here with AEW? I'm I'm. I think that the AEW thing is awesome. Wrestling was in its best when WCW and uh, WWF were, were battling. Uh, and then I was gone when the Monday Night Wars were there. But it is, it's too good of a product there are too many wrestling fans in this country and worldwide that to just be given one version 
one company's outlook. And I think that this AEW thing is going to blow the socks off when Wednesday nights live uh, happen, uh, whether it's Cody Rhodes or whoever it is, the, the cons or whatever. But I think that it is the right people at the right time at the right place. Um, you did say something in your question, a love-hate with Dusty Rhodes and the Rhodes family. I'm not sure there was ever much love <laughs> there, but anyway. Okay. So you I, mentioned... I, oh, how do you feel, uh, too, like just the tag team wrestling that's, that uh, AEW is going to have a focus on with you being an expert in that field? And how's, it, how's that go coming across and seeing that kind of coming more toward the forefront where WWE has not necessarily... That hasn't been a focus of theirs. Well, it is, you know, it, it's yet to be seen that it's going to be a, a focus. Um, and nobody has asked me about that kind of stuff. I mean, right now, this is a, a Sean and Tully thing. Uh, and and it's not a uh, give us some insight to this or anything else. Um, and, and I'm fine with that. So. You know, You've so. been around the business a long time, seen a lot of companies, a lot of wrestlers come and go. To you, talking about AEW getting ready to explode, what makes AEW different than some of its predecessors? Well, th this is what makes wrestling, period. Okay? This is what I was taught from the territory back in the 60s, 70s, 80s. My dad, um, a successful wrestling company is TV time and talent, period. If you've got TV time and talent, you will be successful. And I'm sure that on October the 2nd, TV time will be taken care of. And from all things that I can see, um, talent is not going to be an issue. And so it's going to be successful. Morgan. Tomorrow, tomorrow's match or tomorrow's match between Sean and Cody has a big match feel to it. You've been an expert, a guy who's been in many big matches. What's some advice you've given to Sean going into this moment, preparing him for this tomorrow night? Well, it is uh, you, you've got to live in the moment. I mean, that, that's that's the thing. You've got to embrace it. Um, I know that Sean's had a lot of things going on in his life. And I haven't had a lot of contact with him in the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, and and I, it's a little bit disappointing. But the few texts and stuff that we've had have been good. Um, so I'm sure that he's in a, in a good mental mental place. The And, and you know, you got to – I think he's he's got enough experience. I think he can raise up and take his, his game to a whole new level. And that's what I'm looking for. We've talked a lot about Sean Spears tonight. And so I want to ask you, outside of that, take him off the table. What talent in AEW excites you the most for the future pro wrestling? Well, I will be able to tell you that and answer that question tomorrow night. Because as of the last 30 years, I have not watched a lot of product. Okay? And um, so I am... Uh, going to watch matches tomorrow night and I'm going to look at that kind of stuff. But I would think that when you have, have run 
and do run a successful uh, NFL franchise. And uh, whether you win or not, you're still running the business of it. And, and they do, and they wouldn't dump a bunch of money into a bunch of some stuff that they didn't think was going to be successful. Tony, last night, uh, a bunch of the guys up on stage were asked some wrestlers that they'd love to see in the company. And Tessa was brought up a couple times. Um, what advice do you give to her when she asks you about like what company she wants to be involved, involved in? Um, she has grown into a gigantic, uh, what is the right word? I don't want to say character. She is Alex? persona, persona. And um, it is, it's, it's awesome to see the talent that, that she has and that she, and the desire, because that's the same kind of desire I had to become the best. I don't think you would say that I was ever the best performer in this business, but that was my goal. I wanted to, to go that. And it didn't make any difference if I was on before or after, I still tried to have the best match on the card every night. And those are the things that I've told her. And if you do those, then everything else will take care of itself. And that's kind of where that part is. You know, I'm not, uh, ask me in uh, a month and after TV starts uh, with AEW, if, if, you know, I've got, the AEW flag waving, recruiting my daughter. Um, right now, I'm just trying to keep both feet on the ground for me because this is certainly three months ago, this is not something that I was thinking that I would be doing. You know, great Cody Rhodes uh, wrestling company, blah, 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 blah. You know, but that's not where I expected me, I expected to be in San Antonio, going to the jail, talking to guys about the Lord, and that's what I'm going to be doing Monday, and that's what I'm going to be doing Sunday afternoon when I get back. And uh, uh, but this door came open, and it is um, it feels it feels good and it feels right, although I am a little anxious. So it's a kind of been a mystery. It is a mystery uh, who Cody's bringing out with him. Uh, is that a concern of yours at all, or a concern of Sean's? And uh... um, no, you you just don't want twenty of them out down there, and and the and the dog and the dog. <laughs> anyway, last one, guys. Uh, did you ever think you were going to be on this type of stage again? Uh, no, and I I mean I was here last year and and. And met Tessa at the end of the the runway, and I, you know, that was good enough for me. So, but uh, life has some different turns. Of course, I never expected to be out of wrestling. <laughs> Thank you, Justin, uh, for joining me for the news at the top of the show. Thank you to Paul Lazenby. Thank you to Michael Weissman for getting that interview with Jerry, and thank you to Tully Blanchard for the time at Starcast. It's been a great week, guys. Uh, really enjoyed it. We're going to get back to uh, even more interviews. I got some awesome ones already in the can. 
for next week. And, of course, a lot of action this weekend. Bloodsport, Triple A's invading New York, WWE Clash of Champions. Be sure to stay with us all weekend for all kinds of coverage and all the most latest and breaking news. If you like this show, you like all of our shows, uh, go over to the Wrestling Inc. audio channel on iTunes. Uh, you can go over there. You can leave a nice comment. You can leave a five-star rating. And, uh, Justin, I believe we are going to be launching a new Wednesday night NXT AEW hybrid show, I was told in passing by Raj the other day. And you're you're a part of this program. Is that correct? I will be. I, I won't be on the very first Wednesday uh, because I actually have a prior commitment, and I won't be. And, I, and then a few weeks later when AEW's here in Pittsburgh, I'm going to be at that show, so that's going to prevent me from being on. Uh, so there will be two Wednesdays early on the go that I won't be there. But the long-term plan, yes, I'll be part of it. Uh, for the Wednesday night. And just speaking of Wednesdays, that very first Wednesday, that October 2nd, when NXT and AEW go head-to-head, I will be doing a viewing party in Pittsburgh uh, at 1311 Bar on the south side. Um, free to get in. There's eight TVs. We'll have NXT and AEW on both. I think this audio will be on AEW. Uh, great drink prices. So if you if you want to come out and, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun night. It's a fun night if you're a wrestling fan because we got this competition. So October 2nd, get to Pittsburgh uh, for the viewing party. That sounds amazing. That sounds really dope. And I, uh, I'm, I'm just going to put a, a light tease out here. I got some news coming up in a week or so too that I'm very excited to promote. And I'm excited I'm excited to share it with you, Justin, because I think maybe we can have some fun with it. Is that a good tease? Well Yeah, that's a great tease. I'm 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 and so everybody here and this is a, this is a this is a shoot, brother. I have no idea what he's talking about. I know. I'll tell you when we're done with this. But you all out there listening, <laughs> okay. you have to wait. You gotta wait. All right, that's it everybody. I'm at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, if you winked. You didn't miss it.